Good morning. Can you can you hear me? All right. Uh, my name is Hojin, and I'm one of the pastors here at our church. And it's my privilege to share the word this morning. Um, <clears throat> a very exciting word, but uh, I just want to recognize uh, just the the worship today. Um, we even got modern and contemporary, and sang a song from Switchfoot. Uh, that's a a great song. Uh, I, I like it a lot, and. Um, Just something that's always on my heart is just that desperate attitude uh, whenever we come into worship. And uh, that's that's actually what I'm going to focus on today in in the message. So here's a question uh, for all of you. Uh, Have you ever realized that you needed something before you ever, ever even come to contact with it? Like a product that you didn't know existed but once you found it, you're like, I need that. That's going to change my life. That's going to change the way I experience this thing or, or, or life in general. So if you know me uh, well enough, I don't, I don't divulge this very often, but I'm a sucker for infomercials. Uh, if it's practical enough, I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm going to get that. And uh, my friends and I, we used to play this game while, while watching infomercials. Like, all right, are they going to give you two items for that price or are they going to cut that price in half? And we would like bet on like drinks or lunch. And uh, one thing that actually I, I use uh, is the smart clip. Um, being from New York, I don't know where I learned this bad habit. Whenever I drive, I, maybe I thought I was a cool 17-year-old kid when I, I, I drive like leaning <laughs> one way. <laughs> so my car seat, if you ever sit, have sat in it, like the right side is a little like, there's like a divot there because I'm leaning on my right butt cheek only when I'm driving. And I, I joke around and say it's because, like, my wallet, I, I don't want to sit on my wallet because it used to be really thick, kept, like, credit cards, like, not that much cash, business cards, and, and whatever else I had. And I found this smart clip, and it limits what I can hold in there. It's changed my life. It really has changed my life. And the next thing I came into contact was OxyClean. There's nothing wrong with the Tide detergent that I was using. It smelled good. It made my clothes clean. But once I I saw that, I was like, I need that. Like, I need my white T-shirts to be white, like really white. And I I actually have like a big Costco-sized box. And I confessed last time that I'm a Costco junkie. And I use it every load. And whenever I get a chance, like, this sounds crazy, but I'll soak my socks in there, make sure I get, I want to experiment and get that white uh, that's in the commercials. And... In, in a, maybe in a similar way, that's what I kind of want to do to you, not in terms of selling you what the Bible has to communicate, but there's something, I think, in the Bible that has been overlooked that should and can revolutionize the way you approach God. And it's this idea of having a great high priest. Um, there's no analogy in terms of what a high priest is for our culture, the closest thing is a defense attorney, but even that's a far, far imperfect picture of, of what this is. And maybe you don't even know what the high priest did in the Old Testament. I want to provide that uh, for you uh, in, in context of Scripture. But we're going to continue our sermon series in, in the book of Hebrews. And as Pastor Dan and Pastor Danny preached the previous two weeks, they've shared just what is going on in this book. This sermonic letter, it's, it's like a sermon slash letter 
is going out to believers who are struggling. They're, they're debating whether to keep following Jesus, whether the persecution that they're experiencing is, is, is worth it. Is the reward worth it? Is, is there something to claiming Jesus as Lord that goes beyond what I'm experiencing right now? And in the midst of all this, the author finds that it's necessary for the readers to know that Jesus was the great high priest. So that's the, the objective today, that I want to show you how much we need a great high priest. A great high priest. Let's turn to our Bibles, if you have it, to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 14. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. If you don't have your Bibles, you could read along there. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And then we're going to skip over to verse uh, 7 of chapter 5. In the days of Jesus' flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's, it holds uh, treasures deeper than we could ever uh, understand. But we thank you that it is clear about who you are and what you've done. We thank you that it's clear about who Jesus is and what he has done. So God, even as we uh, just submit ourselves before your word uh, this morning, that we would recognize more than what we need, more than what we get from you, but we, real, we realize our identity. We realize the identity of the God of the universe and Jesus Christ, the Savior of our souls. So strengthen us during this time. Help us to cherish your word in a way that maybe we haven't done before. We pray that you would speak to those uh, all across the spectrum of, of uh, journeying with you, whether they feel like they're, they're on top of the world, that they're thriving, that they're enjoying uh, living for you and with you, or those who are struggling to just get by another day. So we ask for your grace to be with them, be with us. We pray for your spirit to speak loud and clear that more than my own words would be uh, you speaking uh, through me in a way that uh, leads us to action, God. So we thank you so much. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today, Jesus is the great high priest we need. That's the, the only thing I want to convey, um, that, that this great high priest, whatever he does, whoever he is, there's something about identifying him as ours that changes the way we approach, you know, Christianity, faith, Jesus Christ as a whole. 
And the first question naturally is, what is a high priest? What is a high priest? And if I were to make it very simple, the high priest has two roles. One is to represent the people before God. And the other, other uh, side of it is to re- represent God for the people. And this particularly uh, culminated in the Day of Atonement. It was one day, one special festival of, of the Jewish calendar where the high priest wa- was to prepare himself and prepare the people and essentially take the people's sin into the most sacred place of God's tabernacle, God's, God's temple, which was called the Holy of Holies. And... In entering there, what was happening is that the high priest, in the way that he was sacrificing the animals, was atoning for the sins of the people. And if the high priest were to come back out, essentially there's much to celebrate. It's to represent that God has, had indeed forgiven the sins of Israel, every single person. And the easiest way to think about it is that the high priest was like the diplomat of God and the chosen representative for the people. And he had this dual role going into the Holy of Holies and coming back out. And thankfully, the book of Hebrews in um, the verses that we actually skipped over that we're going to focus on right now provides more details about the high priest. In verses 1 through 4 of uh, Hebrews 5, it says, For every high priest chosen... It's hard to see, but it says, chosen among men, that's in red up there, and then appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. So we find out that the high priest is chosen among the people. The high priest is appointed to act on behalf of the people. And then how does the high priest do this? He does it by offering sacrifices. And verse 2, it says, He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. I think it's buzzing whenever I go to my left. So this high priest is another human being. So he knows what it feels like to be limited. He knows what it means to struggle with sin. He knows what it means to feel weak. Isn't that the best person to represent you uh, before before God? Isn't that going to be the best person to uh, like, kind of be nice to you when he's communicating? Not, not for the sake of being nice, but understanding you. It's the idea of uh, going to a doctor and finding out that you have a disease that the doctor has already overcome before. So he knows, she knows what that feels like to go through the the healing process, to go through, eat, eat the medicine, and to, to come in for, for checkups. That's a trustworthy person. And continuing in verse 3, it says, Because of this, the high priest is obligated to sac- offer sacrifices for his own sins, just as he does of the people. So it's not like he's the perfect human being, but he understands that he has to get right with God in order to represent the people before God. And verse 4, no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So God is the one calling them. It's not a democratic vote that the people, you know, let's say Cornerstone decides to go for a high priest, and it's not going to be a popularity contest. It's God saying, so-and-so, you're going to be the high priest. So why, of 
all of, why all of this? Why is it important? It's, it's important because what Hebrews says for us. In verse uh, 5 and 6 of Hebrews 5, this is a reference to two verses in the Old Testament where God is speaking. So, so also Christ did not exalt himself to be made high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. This is actually Psalm 2. This is not a New Testament passage. It's not when Jesus was baptized. It was early in the New Testament, Old Testament where God was identifying that he would have a son to represent the people. Verse 6, and he also says in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Who the heck is Melchizedek? And he, he actually only appears once um, apart from this psalm reference. That's Psalm 110, verse 4. Melchizedek is the one who Abraham interacts with in Genesis 14. In Genesis 14, uh, these other nations are pretty much coming to attack uh, Abraham, his family, kidnap his, um, his relative Lot, and Abraham has to fight against these nations. And Abraham, he's, he's one family. He represents one family. He overtakes other nations, multiple nations. And Melchizedek, he's uh, a priest of God, and he's also a king. He's the king of Salem. One reference, two references at most in the Bible. Why is he so important? He's important because he's a priest and king together. He's the only one in all the scripture that's a priest and king. So when the writer of Hebrews says, in this high priest, this great high priest, he's going to come in the order of Melchizedek, what's happening there? He is saying that Jesus in the same way as going to be priest and king. There is no other priest who held the office of king as well. In the Faith Life Study Bible, it says, Melchizedek served as a reminder of God's promise to bless and vindicate his people. How much more so does Jesus do that? He is proof. He is a reminder that God is wanting to bless and vindicate his people more than anything. So the, the idea of a great high priest should bring a, a lot of comfort. You have someone who's going to represent you before God, and you have someone who's going to represent God to you. So with that said, there's two implications to having a great high priest and why we need him. In our passage today, in the first part of it, Hebrews 4, verses 4 to 16, there are two commands that are given in Scripture there. There are two exhortations that the writer gives us, and he says in verse 14, let us hold fast our confession. And verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. If we have a great high priest who represents us, represents God, then we should hold fast our confession, that's number one, and draw near, that's number two. So the first implication I want to share is that we must trust Jesus to be our great high priest. We must trust Jesus to be our great high priest. In verse 14 it says, let us hold fast to our confession. And the verb there, hold fast, is actually um, 
It could also mean be strong. So it connotes this idea of seizing or taking hold of as if it's your possession. It's the idea that um, if it's out there for the taking, you're, you're going to grab it, hold on to it, and make it your own. And what does confession refer to? It refers to everything else that has been talked about in chapters 1 to 3 in Hebrews. And what was that? Pastor Dan and Pastor Danny shared it, that it's about the finality, the supremacy of Jesus. Jesus as Lord, Jesus is far better than, you know, in chapter 1 it says the angels. Chapter 3 it says greater than Moses. Jesus is Lord over all things. Jesus is the source of the heavenly blessings and salvation. And why do we hold this confession? It's because he has passed through the heavens. If Jesus has passed through the heavens, that means he is still alive. He is reigning in power. He's at the right hand of God. He's still active and powerful today. And I love that two weeks ago, Pastor Dan said this. I wrote it down, I I hope verbatim. He said, either you reject Jesus entirely or embrace him completely. Are you holding fast to your confession? Is it yours or is it just a confession that you're going to just point to and say, oh yeah, like, that's what I believe, that's what, that what, that's what uh, dictates my life? Or are you going to seize it? Are you going to take hold of it? Are you going to make it your possession? Is it really what you hold on to, to in the different circumstances that you face in your life? In verse 15, the writer of Hebrews tells us why holding fast to our confession is worth it. He says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. That's a double negative. If we put that in the positive, it says that we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. And one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. This is a great high priest worth trusting, isn't it? Why did Jesus have to come as a human baby? It's because there is something that Jesus, through his experience, through his um, life here on earth, would show us that he's the great high priest, representing us, representing God. Jesus being human, fully human, is able to be merciful And Jesus being fully divine, fully God, is able to be faithful. Jesus being human knows what suffering feels like. But Jesus being divine knows what glory is meant to be. Jesus being human means that he's able to intercede on our behalf, even with our limitations and suffering. And Jesus being divine means that he's going to defend God's purposes for his glory in us and through us. Have you ever immediately connected with somebody um, just because of some random fact, random experience that you both share? Maybe it's a a similar uh, similarity in interest. Maybe it's a, you came from the same city. Maybe it's because you hate the same things. Um, This past week, I met up with a a brother in our church and um, We've been going to church together, but we've never, like, sat down and really gotten to know each other. And we realize we hate the same thing. And we're, like, bashing on it together and really, like, enjoying it. And I felt closer to, uh, not in a hateful way, um, uh, I felt closer 
to, to, the, to this brother, like automatically. So in the same way, it should overwhelm us to think that Jesus was human. He knows what joy and sorrow feels like. Like if you were to pinch yourself right now, he knows, like he knows what that feels like. He knows what it feels like to have a tear roll down your face. He probably knows what it feels like to, I don't know, stub your toe, to share a laugh with one another. He knows what it means to be tired. He knows what it feels like to be excited. He knows what it means to be frustrated at people. Did you know that? He yelled at the Pharisees because they frustrated him. But he also knows what peace and harmony feels like when he brought a wayward sinner back to his presence. He knows what it feels like to be angry, righteous anger. And I want to believe that he knew how to celebrate, that he's celebrating right now. This is a great high priest worth trusting, isn't he? Hold fast your confession. Whatever you're going through, Jesus is Lord. And he's not just the Lord. He's a, he's a Lord who was human. He lived here. He knows what it feels like to live this life. Maybe not the exact experiences that each of you are having right now, but I believe he experienced the, the full gamut of what it means to be human. There's solidarity in that. So not those, he only represent us in that way, but he also represents God and uh, he wants to help us, which is the second part. The second implication is that we must draw near to Jesus, our great high priest. We must draw near to Jesus, our great high priest. In verse 16, it says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The command there to draw near is almost always a physical drawing near to something. It's drawing close, approaching, coming to an object. And when it refers to God, it actually means going to His presence. And I I love it because this thing that we're supposed to draw near to is a throne of grace. It's not a throne of power. It's not a throne of rules. It's not a throne of of oppression. It's a throne of grace. It's a throne of grace where we, we receive mercy and grace in our time of need. So not only does Jesus represent the people in terms of understanding our weakness, but he is also at the right hand of God and he's, he's like whispering into God's ear and saying, hey, you know that sister? She's going through some dark times. In that particular situation, God, can you send her some mercy? Can you send her some grace? Oh, you know that brother over there? He's, he's facing some serious relational conflict. Like, Father, send grace his way. Invite him to your presence. Where we receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Let us, with confidence draw near to the, to the throne of grace. Uh, there's a confession that I have to make just on a personal level. Like, this year has been awesome. It really has. Um, 
got engaged and I'm going to get married. That alone, like, that's awesome. Like, <laughs> what else do I need? There's a lot to be thankful for, but I've also faced a lot of different trials, a lot of different difficulties. And, uh, you know, pastors uh, Danny and, and Dan, they know uh, some of the things that I've had to wrestle with. And even to the point of uh, being distracted by some of these things, you know, earlier this morning. And these trials that I'm going through have kind of made me question, like, yeah, God, not ultimately, like, am I questioning whether it's worth it to follow you? But in this particular situation, why is following you so, so hard? Why is representing you, living for you, serving you, this difficult at times? And that's where this idea of great high priest just shatters, you know, even in this past week, a lot of my understanding of what's going on. Because as I was going to God, I was essentially asking, God, give me what I need to get through this. Give me what I want so that I don't have to deal with this anymore. But what does God do? He says, this is who you need. You need a great high priest who fully knows your experiences and can represent and vouch for you well and who fully knows the God in heaven and knows what the plan is, knows what the the end goal is, knows what the, the final conclusion will be. That's the best person to trust. Yeah, circumstantially, we don't know day to day what that might mean, what that might look like. But isn't that the safest place to be with the great high priest who's trustworthy and worthy of drawing near? Not someone who we need to be afraid of. And this great high priest, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> because in verse 7, we're reminded that Jesus himself learned something by being a human. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus learned obedience through suffering. Obedience is never theoretical. It's always practical. We can easily say, oh yeah, like I obey God when I'm sleeping. Yeah, I obey God when I'm like what, at church? But do you obey God when you're facing, you know, circumstances and situations and voices that are telling you to do otherwise, that are telling you to disobey? Verse 9, being, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. God made Jesus perfecter <laughs> through his suffering. And I believe that if, you know, some of us are struggling and some of us aren't. But there is something about living this life out as faithfully as possible while holding on to our confession, drawing near to the throne of grace, that would help us become more like Jesus, more 
perfect so that we too can be with God the Father in heaven. So today, do you need a great high priest? Maybe there's some of you who are on the brink of foregoing your faith in Jesus. Or maybe like me, you're wondering if following Jesus in that particular situation, in your workplace, in your classrooms, in in the various relationships in your life, is worth it. For those who aren't suffering, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Like, really, I'm so thankful for you because you're going to be the, the source of encouragement for those who are. But also understand that should you still want a great high priest? Yes. We should be desperate for a great high priest. If you know your human nature, the condition of your heart, and the ultimate spiritual reality, whether you've been a Christian For all of your life or not, maybe you're not a believer here today, I'm telling you that you need a great high priest. A great high priest who is worthy of trusting and worthy of drawing near. There's a video I I came across um, that I want to show you. It's it's of Kevin Hart. If you know who he is, shame on you. Um, uh, You shouldn't be watching his stuff. No, like... But uh, he's, this is just a clip on, on Conan, Conan O'Brien, and he's sharing a, a story about the beginnings of his career in, uh, in comedy. I mean, that's a, that's a funny story, um, for sure. And maybe, maybe we're not guilty of doing stuff like that, but, you know... A lot of times we're faced with different situations in our life and we're asking for stuff. We're asking for solutions. We're asking for some need to be met. When, like Kevin Hart's mom, <laughs> the objective is a relationship with God. You know, maybe you've never heard that we needed a great high priest, ever. And you've been in the church since you are infant. I'm telling you today, if you know the brokenness of your own heart, the sinfulness of your own heart, and you know how badly God wants us to dwell with Him forever in glory, you need somebody to intercede. You need some a middleman, a mediator, a high priest to represent you well before God and and for Him, the high priest, to represent God well to us and that's why I believe the rest of scripture is so clear that there's only one way to Jesus the way, the truth, the the life there's no other way to salvation do you see that Jesus is trustworthy today do you see that it's safe to draw near to him he knows what you're struggling with what what you've done what you haven't done He's still there to represent you well and show you who God is. There's no fear, no shame, no sin, no height, no depth that can separate us from God. Let's pray together.
Father, this morning we come before you just as we are. We thank you that you don't tell us to come a specific way, but that if we would hold to our confession and that we would draw near to the throne, that we have someone who is diligently, passionately vouching for us and desiring to show us who you are. Lord, show us this morning how needy we are. We, we are more desperate than we think. And we've prayed it before. We've sung it just a couple minutes ago. But the hunger that we have for the different things in our lives, the, the different solutions that we want, the different things that we want, will all fade away. They will not truly satisfy. But to have relationship with the great high priest who will then give us a deep, intimate, passionate relationship with the living God, the creator of the universe, the, the, the one who is redeeming our souls. That's what will change everything, God. So Lord, in all of our messiness, in all of our brokenness, we come before you, or we, and rather we come before your son and say, Jesus, won't you be my great high priest? Won't you be the high priest for every believer in this world. So Father, strengthen us and, and, and remind us that really all of this, all that we're doing this morning is about being with you. Your presence is what matters the most. Father, may we be ones who hold fast our confession and draw near to the throne of grace. May whatever we do, not only in this service, but in our lives, show that, represent that, that our obedience will be shown in action, not in theory. We love you, God, and we pray that we will love you more as a result of our time together. And in Jesus' name we pray.